Hey, welcome to The Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Give me a warning on your recording. Because the last few times I'm like, oh, actually recording. I'm, I'm already recording. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It was, it was a late... It was a late. That, that whole prayer is recorded. <laughs> just on my personal files. <laughs> just like to listen back to it. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I listened to another podcast um, where, yeah, pretty much the start of every interview is the person who is interviewing being like, are we recording yet? It's like, yeah, we're recording. <laughs> I kind of just love that. I'm just like, just jump into just it. Jump you in. know? Look, a... I feel like we don't um, change that much anyway. When no, like the recording button goes on, to be fair. Yeah, true. But I can understand how if you have different guests every week, some people might put on their yeah sort of their front, their, yes. their sort of persona. So then I imagine maybe that's a way of... I don't know, piercing through that to be like, mm. hey, you know how you were just talking before you realised we were already <laughs> recording? Let's just keep talking keep like going. that. But keep I feel going. like we're, yeah. we're a bit different than that. That's true. We're just so real. We're raw, we unfiltered, unplugged. Yeah. <laughs> Although hopefully not unplugged. Hopefully this is... Re- no, it is recording. I'm seeing Excellent. the sound come through. So, I, yeah. <sighs> so I had yeah. a, bit, a bit of a gift this morning of uh, two beautiful children coming in with some very sweet cards yeah. for my son. <laughs> Uh, do you want to tell everyone what happened? Yeah, well, um, Asher and Hazel came in this morning with some cards for George saying, hope you get better soon, which was super cute and very, very sweet. So had a bit of a fun day yesterday. I was uh, getting breakfast. Well, Em was getting breakfast ready and we had George sort of up on this chair kind of helping Em or watching Em, let's be real. And uh, as I walked past, he got like really excited and was jumping and kind of went head first over the back of the chair. Um, head first onto the carpet and kind of was just, yeah, screaming in a way that was like, oh, that's that's a new scream. Um, so we were like trying to check him and he just wasn't settling. So like, all right, it's kind of one of those things. This is the first time we've ever taken George to the hospital. So you don't, you don't want to be those parents. Like, I feel like it's the same when you're pregnant because they always tell you mm-hmm. don't come too early because mm-hmm. you don't, you don't want to be sent home yeah. for no reason. So anyway. We finally made the decision, all right, let's drive into Westmead Children's Hospital. So we get there, like praying for Providence. There's like immediately a car spot straight away that opens up, like, great. We go in, there's only like eight people there waiting ahead, like, oh, come on, there's gonna be a quick visit. Finally get in and the doctor is like checking his wrist and like bending it back and forth. Cause that was the thing that he was really sort of, I don't know, seeming to cry each time mm. we touched it and stuff. And, like, he was just, yeah, George was having time of his life not responding at all. So we're like, oh, yeah, we're just, like, over-worrying first-time parents. So we kind of, like, took him home sheepishly with our tail between our legs. And I, like, get to work and then get a phone call from him that George had woken up again. It's, like, screaming. I was like, oh, man, like... I really don't want to be like it was kind of embarrassing enough the first time like taking your child to the hospital when they're not actually unwell so like I I don't know man let's just take him again let's just see so anyway by that time there were a lot more people than eight people in the waiting room at the hospital uh turns out he had a broken arm though and he had uh, broken one bone and buckled another what's buckling I've never heard of that look I don't really know either to be honest obviously I think it kind of means like bowed a little bit or sort of like, I don't know, like when a, 
I don't know, I think of like a piece of steel when it buckles. It mm. sort of bends a little bit, but it's still so it's intact. It's not a break. It's, it's not a break, yeah. but it's out, it almost sounds as painful as a yeah, break. Yeah. I think if my bone buckled. So, yeah, so he's got a little cast now. He's uh, rocking that. So gotta got to sign that when I get home. <laughs> But uh, no, that was very, very cute. Vasher and Hazel bringing in some cards for him. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure he'll love them. Um, so, how was your Monday, Matt? <laughs> yeah, um, good. Uh, I took the kids to Inflatable World. Love it. And made a new friend. Well, they yes. did. Come on, little boy called James. Oh man, so. if I could make friends as easily as little kids do. Yeah, and Hazel's so cute. Every friend's her best friend. This is my best friend, James. Love that. <laughs> like everyone's just her best friend. Like she has a, like, like yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's it, awesome. Sarah's just best friends. Yeah, I feel like best friend is a category. Yeah, you yeah. Know? It's know, not a single person. Yeah, but anyway, it's just <laughs> funny. So that was quite cute. And then it was hilarious. It was um Jackson Ella, so yep. Ash's Ash Shepherd who works here. Yeah, her kids were having lunch with their grandma and they're like Jackson Ella and they're like screaming and so good and yeah and then when we we're at prayer time last night they're like thank you that we saw this is Asher thank you we saw Jackson Ella at the cafe near the clock <laughs> so like detailed <laughs> <laughs> and then I was talking to Ash and I'm like oh my kids love seeing your kids she's like oh yeah my two couldn't stop talking about seeing it's so funny cute. how kids are they get like so hyped up so. yeah and and um, also I, I love that the uh, the specification of the clock yeah so i thought like that's a whole story in itself <laughs> about angie yes <laughs> and that clock um yeah. i um yeah was uh in the office a few weeks ago and angie walks in with a clock that's probably half the height of her mm. she's like i think this is too big for the counseling room huh so she like bought it online and it was just like way too big so now uh, it's in the cafe yes it's so, much more appropriately sized yes, yes. for a cafe wall yes. than a small counseling yes. room that would take up so, the entire wall mm. i thought like they would feel like they were like falling down the rabbit hole in alice yeah. in wonderland with a clock that big oh man i um yeah definitely have been like so enjoying going back through this Hebrew series, like or going back through the book of Hebrews and like through this Hebrew series. Um, I think that it's been really cool the way you've been framing it each week, Jesus greater than. Mm. Um, and obviously this week was a bit of an interesting one. You you seem to be a bit taken aback by how many people in the room had heard of Melchizedek was, before actually. Though. I was kind of front row, so I didn't see. What was the percentage I of people? I reckon there was a good 50%, 50, right. 60. There was a lot Come of hands on. went up. I was like, wow, okay. We've Go got to some, the um, We've got some like Christians here that, you know, know their Bible and some know their characters. Bible nerds. I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Matt Smith's listening. Big shout out. Uh, I knew, I knew Matt would definitely know. His hand, his hand was straight up. I saw him there at the back. <laughs> <laughs> Loud and proud. Yeah. Melchizedek fan yep. since the beginning. No. So Melchizedek is a really interesting one. And I think that it is sort of fascinating that the writer of Hebrews chooses to pull out Melchizedek here. Mm. This is like such speculation. But do you reckon everybody originally hearing this letter would have been like, oh, yeah, old, old Melky, love I, that guy. I, I don't know. I can't. It seems like a like a it seems like a deep dive Mm. into Old Testament scripture, Um, and as you kind of said, even the moment in Genesis, I mean, it it can seem like a bit of a inconsequential just side note, Mm. right? I I honestly think it probably would be if it wasn't for Psalm one hundred and ten four, which says you'll be a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, Mm. because if that wasn't there, it'd just be. In fact, there's some like I guess critical commentators so the ones that don't believe the bible's god's word they say that this is just a late edition it's not part of the original genesis text it's so uh, oh, yeah right yeah interesting 
Yeah. So you got you got evangelical scholars who you know believe the Bible's God's word, and yeah. and you got critical scholars and a few critical scholars like that. It's just so out of place that like mm. it's not actually original to the text. So mm. yeah, it is a little jarring because it's just he just appears mm. and then he just disappears and that's mm. it. You're like ah. Oh. So mm. yeah, I don't know what the original audience would have thought but i did bring my copy of Come the on. dead sea scrolls love this Pick so just for those who might not know give us a little bit of a background uh, okay. of what so are the dead sea scrolls dead sea scrolls are a series of documents so some of them contain like like actual scripture so isaiah and like stuff from the old testament and others are writings like jewish writings from so this community the Qumran community mm-hmm. um who saw themselves as sort of ushering in the kingdom of god they deliberately lived outside of the city in the middle of nowhere mm. in the wilderness to prepare for the arrival of Yahweh's Messiah. And so some actually saw themselves as part of the new covenant. They would read Jeremiah 31, well, that's us, we are. And so it's really it's found by a shepherd boy who's mm. <laughs> exploring some caves and actually started burning them to like the Kiwi's fire coming. That's an expensive fire. <laughs> yeah. Priceless um, documents, but... um. Yeah, there's one document in there. In, uh, I never read this book. I bought it more as just a... You now you make your library look impressive. Yeah, come on. I was in a $2... Um, not a $2 shop, a, a second-hand bookshop. Yeah, yeah. And, and I found it and I was like, oh, I have to buy this. That's a scholarly like flex, having yeah, Dead Sea yeah. Scrolls on your... On like, your oh, look at him. He knows what he's doing. On so, your bookshelf, absolutely. So this one, it's this document. It's called... <laughs> I love how they label it. 11Q13. That's the name mm, of this document. I mean, I'm getting excited. Yeah, just hearing yeah, the title. 11Q13. What a, what a clickbaity title. Oh, I just and the inside. summary of it is that, that this author, we don't know who it is, links Melchizedek as the coming of the eschaton, so the arrival, the end of the age, mm-hmm. so the arrival of um, the Messiah. But interestingly enough, he doesn't link it to like Genesis 14 or Psalm 110, but to the Jubilee hmm. and to Isaiah. So this document here linked Melchizedek with a heavenly figure, mm-hmm. almost like God. It actually uses the word in Hebrew El or Elohim, Hebrew word for God. So that's interesting, but doesn't use Psalm 110 for mm. who will be a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek or Genesis 14. But saw this idea of this Melchizedek figure coming back as mm. almost God to yeah, mm. bring in the end of the age. So... That's interesting in itself. So I, I, don't, I don't know how you keep speculating so much because how many normal Jews outside of Qumran were aware of the documents or even mm. the author of Hebrews. But mm. yeah, if, if they were aware, um, the, either that Jewish church Hebrews was written to or the author. Mm. It's an interesting thing. It's kind of just tying Jesus a little bit more into, well, if Jesus is from the order of Melchizedek mm. and there's been some expectation that our Melchizedek figure will come back to bring in the end of the age. Well, mm. Jesus is sort of doing that. So yeah. that's, I guess, one little snapshot we get of how the Jews may have seen Melchizedek, mm. just from, yeah, 11Q13. <laughs> exciting Ooh, document. So exciting. I um, am, am so intrigued. I mean, um, it was something that we sort of glanced on or brushed over before we started recording. Um, to say someone is a kingly priest... Hmm. is like I don't know it's it's a it's a foreign concept for so many reasons yeah. and I mean we've touched on in banter before even despite being under the commonwealth our understanding of a I mean now actually king, king but yeah. until very recently a queen but this sort of monarch sort of figure 
it's quite a foreign idea. Yeah. And then for someone to be a monarch and a priest. I mean, it's interesting. I guess for the Anglican Church in some ways, that sort is kind of, of yeah. what the British royalty yeah, is. But is. even then, I don't know how much they hold. Mm. Yeah. H- how do we even start to wrap our heads around yeah. a concept that is so foreign to us? Yeah. Um, I, I guess that's one you need to just kind of dig, dig deeper into the text. Mm. It's the first start. It's just recognise that this is a different world yeah. that we're in and a completely different ours. Because our dear King Charles, King Charles, he, he's really, really just a figurehead. Like he can't, yeah. like back in the day, kings just wielded all authority. Whatever yeah. king said just went. You yeah. couldn't really argue with it. So, yeah, but... I guess one thing I find helpful, and this is why I mentioned both Adam and Noah, mm. is that Adam was called, and the, like the language isn't there about being a king or a priest, but the idea is that Adam is meant to rule over the earth mm-hmm. as humans are. And that's what actually Hebrews, refer, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, referring back to Psalm 8, like yeah. what is man that you mind for him, and son of man you care for him. Yeah. All that, so that's the idea of kingship. And looking after a garden, that's also a royal profession. You showed your dominion over the earth by building, yeah, wonderful gardens, mm. the hanging gardens of Babylon. Yeah. Even Ecclesiastes sort of refers back to that, you know, building gardens, this mm. creation imagery, overcoming, mm. and then pr- like being a priest, serving, protecting the sacred space. Mm. And, but your like, the idea is, and I've read it in a few books, is that to, to subdue and rule over the earth, it's not a violent thing. It's not being a kind of warlord, like, um, yeah, having what we would call like rule and subdue for us sounds violent. Like you mm. think, oh, you can kind of do what you want. It's ruling away. It's like God. Mm. It's like the actual thing about it, it's a bit like the word submission. So mm. I married Vivian and Kyle on Thursday. They used the classic Hebrews five passage. Yeah, you know, yeah, wives submit. And when I think the word submit, I think USC fighting. You know, you submit, you Show tap fold. out. Yeah, yeah, you tap out because you're submitting. And it's like, well, that's not like we we're called actually to submit to one another and to Christ. Mm. And I was like. I submit to Christ. I don't feel like he's just got me in the chokehold. And I'm like, oh, okay, I tap out, I tap out. Mm. It's yeah, it's a submission to someone who is a loving figure, someone who wields all authority. But mm. even he, well, what to use the language of Hebrews, he's a priest that sympathizes with us mm. and who loves us and, and cares for us. And so that was the idea of that priest king. Was there. Yeah, they, they, Adam and Eve were called to rule over the earth, but in a way that reflects god and keeping god's holiness sacred so yeah i don't know if you can really find a modern example you just have to really it's just a paradigm shift of how the Mm. world is very different and i I think you need to understand because that's what jesus is yeah he is the priest king Mm. who will rule over Mm. this world yeah one day there is Mm. like a really interesting thing because I mean, I would have assumed that um, a Jew would consider David as the greatest example of a, of a king mm. um, as far as, you know, from their history. Um, but then it was interesting, even just reading yesterday, that moment uh, in Mark was the one I was reading it in, where Jesus is transfigured up on the mountain and who turns up but Moses and Elijah mm. sort of representing the law and the prophets. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's really interesting because obviously Moses was also a prophet, mm-hmm. like even though he represents yeah. the law. And you see Moses in some ways as, oh, okay, you're kind of like you're a priest, but really like 
Aaron is the priest figurehead and yeah. Aaron's sons are the ones who take on that role. Yeah. And even though Moses is from the line of Levi, mm. he, in a lot of ways, I would say, takes on the role of a king. Mm. And then you sort of look at the book of Judges, which is not the best example <laughs> no. of, you know, um, upright, mm. you know, righteous you know, leaders that we should be aspiring to be like, maybe a Deborah, but you know, um, this idea again, that the leaders, the judges, the, you know, are also, they have like these priestly elements, Mm. but they're also kingly in a Mm. way. And I, I don't know, I'm led to sort of think that this idea of priest and king do seem to overlap Mm. a lot more in old Testament thinking, as opposed to today, we have these two very different roles yeah. that we think of, right? Yeah, well, even Solomon, like, he offers sacrifices sure. when he inaugurates the temple. And yeah. David, to a lesser extent totally. as well. Obviously, no temple because Solomon built yeah, it after yeah, him. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, like, there's certainly this idea tied in there. And I think Psalm 110 is really tapping into that. Like the So it begins, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand yeah. until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And... Yeah, linking that, this idea, this messianic figure, this son of David. Let me pull out the psalm, actually. There's, yeah, this messianic figure who will rule one day for eternity, but also be a priest. Yeah, because this is, I'll read it out here. The Lord says to my Lord, sit under, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion. Like, that's king language. Yeah. Like, yeah. You will rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle. Arrayed in holy majesty from the womb of the dawn, you will receive the dew of your youth. So just, you know, all this sort of yeah. language. Majesty, yeah. that's, so, that's directly kingship. Yeah, and leading troops, that's yeah. what kings does. Um, and then verse 4, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Mm. And, it, and it goes on, verse 5, the Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings on the day of his wrath. He will judge the nations, heaping upon the dead, crushing the rulers of the whole earth. He will, and he will, this ends really weird. He will drink from a brook beside the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. And that's how it ends. <laughs> so, yeah. But, yeah. So it's interesting. It sort of ties in Lord saying to my Lord, which is... Interesting in itself because the younger shows blessing to the older, but here David's saying, the Lord says to my Lord, i.e. David's Lord, so David's saying someone's going to be more superior to mm. him and sitting at right hand. And so there's this kind of human kingly element to it. But then mm. after verse 4, it's almost like, hey, the Lord himself's going to crush the kings and be the one who'll give you victory. So mm. it's a sort of like the human element. And it's a godly element. Mm. And so, but it's that verse four about being a priest of the order of Melchizedek, mm. setting up that idea that there will be, yeah, something that's greater than the Levitical mm. priesthood. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'd have to do a lot more research into it. But yeah, I don't know how the Jews saw that. Yeah. But like the author of Hebrews gives us great insight. Like he's almost like, mm. hey, like even within our Old Testament, Scriptures, they recognize that there's something wrong with this priest or there's going to be a better one mm. to come. And he ties that in really yeah. well with Jeremiah's new covenant. If there's going to be a new priest, there must be a new law. And hey, that new law's come. We've got a new covenant. Mm. It's all tied in with Jesus. Mm. It's so fascinating. I actually quite a few years ago um, went over to Fiji to do some stuff over there, teaching theater making to some uh, yeah church, church people over there, some Christians. But um, there were these sort of talks in between and the senior pastor of the church uh, pretty much did this sermon about, are you a priest or are you a king? 
Um, and I think that that was like some really, I don't know, something I'd definitely never thought about mm. before. But um, I think that part of that was definitely saying, hey, at different times you can play different roles sort of thing. Mm. He sort of gave this projection that um, kings are almost the ones who, um, you know, who, who maintain authority and kind of keep things going, you know. Um, priests are almost ones that come with new things, which is like mm. an interesting way. Yeah. Then you could kind of like argue that the other way. Mm. Um, it is this tricky thing and I, I can't fully reconcile it. Um, I suppose the other thought is, you know, Jesus himself and Matthew 28 says all authority in heaven oh. and on earth. I don't know. A priest, do priests have sort of that more authority sort of speaking to the people from a heavenly place? A king's more speaking from an on earth place. Mm. Is, there, is this something that we should be thinking about? What does it mean to not just be a priest, not just to be a king or a queen, you know, in this inheritance yeah. of God, um, but to be both? Mm. Um, do you have any thoughts on what, what does that mean to just yeah. be one and what does it mean to be both? Great question. Put me on the spot, man. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think it's interesting how one Peter talks about us being. Yeah, um, where is it? You are a royal priesthood, mm. a, a chosen generation, God's special possession, and that language of royal priesthood ties in with that. Mm. Yeah, I almost see it as like just like connected. So, yeah. like obviously, there's a someone designated as king, sure, a royal figure, but like if we're all a priesthood. Mm. Means we're all like, in a sense, mediators to God, but we need a chief one. So, mm. yeah, hey, how do you separate it? Uh, I don't know. Like, yeah, it's almost it a little bit like Christian tribalism. Say, well, we're kings. It's like, well, there's some people on this earth that are not kings, <laughs> mm. like the bottom of the barrel. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know how to really answer that one. That's yeah. A, it's a, uh, but I think of like a book like Revelation where it presents the church serving, like the, the saved serving before the, front, the throne of Jesus day mm. and night and mm. you know, doing this meaningful work. Um, mm. Yeah, but see, I, I just go back to that royal priesthood imagery in a sense of, yeah, maybe we're not necessarily kings and queens. Princes? Princesses? Mm. Yeah. We're tied into that mm. royal family mm. of God. Mm. Um but not necessarily having that mm. title mm. or king. So, mm. But yeah, but I see that the necessity of us all being priests, mm. like that's important. Mm. And yeah, that was the call of Israel. Mm. It was like, you, you as a nation are a royal priesthood. Mm. But within that, we have special priests, but you're all meant to be doing this. And now the church collectively has mm. taken on that role. Mm. Israel, and that's what Peter. It's hard to know if Peter was writing to Jews or Gentiles. I'd say probably a mixture of both. Mm. But it's important that the New Testament letters do that. It's linking in both Jews and Gentiles into the promises. Yeah, uh, using that language of like, well, now you're part of that. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Like it, it's interesting because obviously um, Jesus takes on, you know, a lot of these messianic titles, but then mm. at the same time, you know. 
humbles himself and mm. creates this upside down kingdom and you know mm. the first will be last and the last will be first and sort of redefines what a king a messiah mm. kind of looks like in a lot of ways which creates some very interesting ideas for us um so y- you feel like maybe to say that we have the authority in a heavenly realm of a, of a king or a queen is sort of missing the mark a little bit because i was kind of oh. thinking i'd say jesus would, so, would yeah. be king and yeah, then yeah, he yeah. gives his authority yeah, yeah, to, to us. us yes that's what i'm saying but i wouldn't be calling i'd be i don't know i think it's just me i wouldn't be comfortable calling us kings yeah, and queens. Yeah, so that's why I said maybe princes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Because yeah, to use the language of Hebrews, Jesus is the high priest. Mm. Like none of us should claim to be the high priest because yeah. we have one. And on again using that Hebrew language, Jesus is the heir. To yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, therefore, yeah. he's the one who's in charge. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. We, we are the part of the royal family. But yeah, we're not the top dog. Yeah, 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 we like, yeah, because I, I kind of even think of the centurion in the way that, you know, mm. like sending people out with yeah. like your authority and stuff. There is this sort of tension of, you know, we, we have all of that authority mm. of the king, yeah. um, but we are not, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know, the top king. There's no language for it, right? No. There's like this high priest, <laughs> yeah. but there's just the king, right? Yeah. Um, and then there's something which we kind of spoke about as well before. It's this interesting idea that, Jesus kind of takes that title of like Prince of Peace, mm. which is interesting when you're talking about Melchizedek is King of Peace. Yeah. Not to say that Melchizedek is greater than Jesus, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know, for me, that I found that intriguing. So Melchizedek, King of Righteousness and King of Peace, Jesus takes on this title of Prince, Prince of, of Peace. Yeah. Um, mm. Obviously, there's maybe a humility there. Obviously, that's sort of fulfilling a, a, a prophecy yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, it is kind of an intriguing thing, but mm. there, there seems to be throughout Jesus' ministry definitely him saying, you know, like, why do you call me great? Mm. There is only one person who's great. That's yeah, my father. Uh, yeah. um, there definitely seems to be moments where, you know, I, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, not not my will, but yours, this idea of submitting to the father from Jesus, um, you know, even, yeah, moments in scripture where, you know, only the father knows the time mm. that I will return. Like Jesus doesn't even know that. There yeah, seems to be an authority yeah. in some way in that moment and Jesus like a, sitting at the right hand. Yeah. Like a submission almost. Yeah. This is the complexity, I guess. We've gone way off topic of Hebrews. Of the Trinity. Yeah. Uh, it's language that none of the New Testament like authors use, but I think what we try to, like almost like a sub- subordination of like the Father's sort of, and the Son yeah. is submissive, which actually is, it is. Um, what am I talking about? There is language out in Hebrews, like Jesus became perfect through what he suffered. Sure. Not perfect in a sense of Jesus was imperfect, and became perfect, but mm. perfect is a of completeness. Yeah. By suffering, Jesus completed, i.e. made perfect God's plan. Mm. So he became perfect in those mm. inverted commas, so to speak. Like he completed fully mm. God's plan. So yeah, there's even that, like that submission to... Mm. Yes. So it is there yeah. in the Bible, just maybe not the, the language that we use to unpack the yeah, Trinity yeah, yeah. and the submission of the persons. and Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, pretty complex. It's very complex. You start to go down these rabbit warrens. You're like, Ooh. yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, like, it probably even points in part to mm. our 
sort of modern context. And mm. look, I mean, I suppose I think of, um, you know, <laughs> James, James and John sort of arguing over who was greater uh, and the mother wanting, you know, them to have this authority yeah. of Jesus. So maybe it's it's been a, a human issue from the beginning of time. Probably. But this obsession with authority. And mm. I, I think even, I suppose, back to the, the garden, right? The serpent sort of tempting the people who'd been placed in a, a position of power and authority in the garden mm. to try and take greater authority from God through the tree of the knowledge of mm. good and evil. This is this, I suppose, you know, from the beginning of human history, struggle and temptation that humans have had to seize yeah. power, autonomy, authority mm. for themselves rather than through God. Yeah. Which I guess, um, going back to Melchizedek, I read a very interesting journal article. It's amazing. Someone can write a 28-page journal article on someone that's mentioned like, <laughs> for a few sentences in Scripture. That is amazing. But, um, it's a spiritual what, gift. Right? It is. Well, I guess that's uh, isn't the gift of academia. I managed <laughs> to fluff out things. But in one part of the article, which I found quite interesting. Who's this guy's name? I should shout out to this yeah, guy. Give me a Matthew Imadi. I hope that's how you say your name. He's got a PhD from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. So thanks for the article. Thanks for that. Appreciate your hard work. Um, he talks about how the difference between... This is more in the Genesis context. There it is. Got, got, my, got Genesis here on paper. So when um, Abraham returns from defeating... I can't even say this. Kedro Lamia and the kings allied with him. So that's the, the kings that took Lot away and invaded Sodom. Mm. And he notices how the, like the difference between like Sodom is a place of just wickedness mm. and evil, mm. where Melchizedek's um, yeah, the king, uh, you know, king of righteousness and the city mm. of peace, and just the differences. So Sodom ruled through oppression, mm. is what he argues, where mm. Melchizedek's obviously ruling through peace, mm. and yeah, and he links in the idea of Adam being obviously the first priest king and then Noah sort of taking on that role and failing mm. and Abraham's been given that mandate as well. N.T. Wright, he's got a book called Climax of the Covenant which mm. argues quite a lot is that Abraham's the sort of Adam 3.0, mm. so to speak, where sure. there's, the language isn't identical but there's enough similarities to link Adam to Abraham mm. which is important for the, I guess, the flow of the Torah mm. is that what it's doing is it's linking the Jews to Adam mm. itself and saying, well, we are continuing that special role Adam was called to mm. through Abraham. Mm. And yeah, and he's like, well, as brief as it is, Melchizedek, he does a better job. And I say that in inverted commas because mm. you don't know what he's like mm. than Adam and Noah, so to speak. And that's mm. why mm. Abraham, yeah gives the ties to him yeah it's recognizing that this is sort of the last priest king in yeah genesis and and i guess that it links in that whole idea of no genealogy because in genesis everyone's connected to a genealogy sure and yeah uh you, you, you can't get past genesis without reading some you yeah. know chapters lengths of random names like oh, yeah, skip yeah, over yeah. this even like one of their enemies you're like yeah. okay i don't need to don't know care. who his great granddad was yeah, like, yeah. But, but melchizedek is important. nothing yeah and that and that's significant and that should stand out and i guess that's yeah like, so philo he was a there's one of his he he was quite famous for doing this for looking at melchizedek this way so philo was a jew he tried to link torah with kind of greek philosophy mm. kind of tried to mm. and he was like for this sort of principle like oh well he's got no 
father or mother. So in a sense, he's eternal mm. in that, which is, I guess, what that document from the Dead Sea Scrolls, yeah, was it? 11Q13, <laughs> where it is. Mm. You know, so it's exciting. Uh, we're sort of tapping into. Yeah. But obviously, Hebrews, it's not saying that Melchizedek is eternal or God. Mm. It's saying it's like. He's using mm. it. I use that word typology um yeah. like a type a symbol yeah, yeah, way yeah. to connect um, yeah so. yeah because mm. brings up some pretty um interesting questions as well mm. around um uh for lack of a better phrase universal accessibility to god because we see mm. obviously god choosing abraham as mm. the father that he's going to essentially take his story through um, and even like in the, you know, story of Abraham, we see this foreign priest mm. come and with with some form of authority to bless mm. Abraham. Yeah. You know, like, what's Brings going on here? Like, it's interesting, yeah. And then we see, um, you know, Abraham like at the trees of Mamre, you know, while the war is going on mm. down from the mountaintop, him up with foreigners like up in this new Edenic landscape that mm. he's inviting people into, it creates like a very interesting question. I was listening to a uh, Undeceptions episode with John Dixon where he was using these passages as not necessarily proof, um, but as catalysts for a conversation and I suppose speculation around what does it mean for, you know, some tribes you know, tribe people who you know have never heard the gospel who are mm. living on an island can they maybe through god's sovereignty still receive some sort of divine knowledge and 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 point towards god mm. like it's a fascinating thing it because is. genesis would maybe seem to suggest that there's a possibility for that yeah. that well, in all of god's grace we don't need to have you know the canon of scripture mm. in a leather-bound bible yeah um, to still be able to, I don't know, be in relationship with God. It's yeah. fascinating. Well, shout out to my dad. First question he asked me on Sunday, because he'd been listening to the live stream, he's like, how did Melchizedek know like God's laws? I was like, I don't know. Like, yeah. It's actually a question that comes up time and time again in Genesis. Like, how did Joseph know that adultery was wrong? I don't know. Sure. <laughs> like, yeah. I actually just don't know this. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously... Uh, I sort of look at it this way is that the Bible is very selective in its history. Mm. So, if, so if a Torah written by Moses, like he's written it for the people about to enter into the promised land. Mm -hmm. And so it's very selective mm. history. And so there's probably assumption of just general knowledge. Sure. Uh, you maybe don't like, I know I often think of, um, you know, when Cain kills Abel, it's like, oh, there's going to be people who kill me. If I'm wandering around, I need a mark and be like, ah, oh, but isn't there only four people on the earth at this point? But it's like, sure. well, clearly not. There's obviously yeah. more people. But from a textual yeah, yeah. point of view, yeah. we're only focused on Adam, Eve, Cain, yeah. and Abel. So it's very, very selective in that. And yeah, I, I think there's just those questions about how did people get revelation of, I don't know. And mm. it doesn't seek to answer that question. No. Because it wasn't questions that people are asking. It's yeah. trying to tell us a different story, which is how the Israelites became the chosen people of God mm. and entering into the promised land and the covenant that they live mm. under. That's mm. sort of the questions that it's mm. trying to answer. Mm. So we're just left going, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> That's yeah. all part of it. 
Yeah. Yeah, like it is a very humbling idea that there's, you know, for, foreign cultures, foreign people who maybe have some some form of blessing to offer. Rather, mm. it doesn't necessarily have to come with the authority of God like mm. Melchizedek. But it does sort of open us up to even at the very beginning of the Bible, this vision of all nations sort of like coming in and being welcomed together. Now, obviously, there's a truth of the gospel, but mm. I think that sometimes there can be this very... Um, unhelpful and maybe even toxic superiority complex. Um, and I think that like, it's fascinating when we start to look at even, you know, uh, Moses getting advice from his father-in-law Jethro, yeah. who's a Midian priest. You're mm. like, dude, if I was to like get some advice from like a mufti at like a local synagogue yeah. or a local, um, you know, mosque, like people be like, what are you doing? Mm. But it's interesting. There's, I think like God's expansive nature of being able to get wisdom mm. and blessing from people outside there's, there's, there's more going on there, and I don't see a vision of us living in a scared bubble, but of us mm. being like in the world but not of the world and being able to see value in things outside of maybe a very strict westernized Christianity yes. that can limit our understanding of things. Yeah, I, When I was at Regent's Park during lockdown, I did a Genesis Bible study. I asked the question to the group repeatedly, like, who is a Hebrew? Hmm. Like, literally Hebrew means something like crossing over the river. And it's one of the things that comes <laughs> up, like, yeah, not, it comes up a few times is you encounter people in the Bible who are not biologically an Israelite mm. or Hebrew, but they're more righteous. And so, mm. yeah, Jethro's one. Yeah. Actually, thinking of the judges, um, Othniel, mm. you look at his genealogy, he's not, he's actually connected to Esau mm. or people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's actually one of the most righteous judges. Yeah. He judges has a fun little fact that the more wicked a judge gets, the more detail you get about them. So often he was the most righteous and he gets a few verses. But yeah, yeah and even his wife, Aksa, and that's how you say it, A-C-H-S-A. Anyway, yeah. his wife, she shows like an element of like righteousness in asking mm. her father for more blessing. And so, yeah, these people aren't biologically Israelites, but yet they show better character traits. And so it, even the people like when the Israelites do leave Egypt, we're told it's a mixed multitude. Like it's not just pure Hebrew slaves. There's Egyptians there. There's other nations there. So mm. yeah, it's almost like this underlying, I know certain reading through Genesis, quite like this underlying question, like who is a Hebrew? Well, one mm. who follows. Even Paul asked that, like who is a Jew? Well, one who follows the law. So that means if you know a non-Jew follows the law, he's in the eyes of the law a Jew. Mm. And if you're a Jew who breaks the law, well, then you're no longer a Jew. And mm. they, that's how he uses the argument to show mm. why justify, justification by faith is necessary through Jesus. And mm. so I guess, for, yeah, it's interesting that whole vision of the nations is that it's always been God's mm. intention. And so yeah, certainly there's some nations that fall under judgment like mm. the Canaanites. But even then, this is like, yeah, classic um, Jericho. Mm. Rahab prostitute. Yeah. Or she should be dead. Yeah. But yet she's part of the line of Jesus. Mm. And then the next, chap next chapter, yeah, chapters, you get, yeah, yeah. Um, what's his name? Not Laban. Um, Achan. Achan. Yeah, he's stoned. Mm-hmm. He's from the tribe of Judah. It's mm. like, oh, that's interesting. You know, the tribe of Judah, the one that's meant to be where the king comes from. So, mm. yeah, mm. I think that's interesting how yeah. their salvation by faith is where, yeah, and there's neither Jew or Greek, slave mm. or free. Mm. Um, 
that's always been God's intention is that mm. you welcome in foreigners and widows and exiles into the covenant people mm. as expectation. Well, if you join this group, anyone can join, but you need to live by the covenant. Mm. You know, obviously Torah under the old, but under the new, it's through the blood of Jesus. I right? love that. Yeah. Yeah, I think my, my prayer is that we have uh, more Rahabs and Othniels yeah. and Ruths and Jethros mm. coming into our community um, because I think that we see time and time again in Scripture, not only is it God's vision, there's uh, some inevitable unique value that mm. they can bring to the kingdom. Wow. Well, I should like, and yeah, that sort of, that's kind of made up, but also I've encountered it, people who won't go into a church because they're afraid of being zapped by lightning. Yeah. And it's like, that's what I love about uh, the end of chapter four. Yeah, we can approach God's throne of, of grace and confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. There's, yeah, Hebrews has, and we're going to look at it next week, the mm. morning passages, which, mm. yeah, they're heavy. <laughs> Pretty hardcore, which we skipped the, the, over. The emo the, passages. Yeah, the emo. But even that, they're still like mixed in with like, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, anyway, we'll go into that next week. But yeah, the, uh, like the idea is that, not that we just sin whenever we want, but mm. the idea is like we have a high priest who, yeah, is able to sympathize with our weaknesses and is tempted in every way. Like mm. that's deeply comforting. Mm. And for those like, and particularly... Like it. I'm pretty convinced that it's probably one of the, the reasons that the Jewish Christians were thinking of going back to Judaism based on the amount of time he spends unpacking Jesus as high priest and yeah, the, the old tabernacle system is this, this lack of finding forgiveness. So what happens mm. when, okay, Jesus has saved me, now what happens when I sin again? How do mm. I find forgiveness? Mm. And there's, yeah, just that idea is like, well, yeah, Jesus... Yeah, he knows what you're going through. He mm. knows the temptations mm. and he's there. You can go straight into that throne room. Mm. Yeah, confidence, boldness. You don't have yeah. to be shy. Mm. And uh, yeah, and so, yeah, if you're holding on to, I almost feel like God's an angry principle or, you know, yeah, angry or whatever, you don't mm. have to have that. There's yeah, love and forgiveness there. Mm. Started reading a book who's, author i've completely forgotten and the name of the book i've completely forgotten but it's just one of those intro Sounds to like the a great read it is a great read it's one of those um i was thinking about using it for small group because mm. it's one of those um introduction to the bible yeah cool ones I actually found the guy from the u version video he's it's the sunday's one right. yeah, the yeah, little cool. little and i was like oh this guy's really cool i should get his book and just mm. reading it and he asks he has this used in the opening chapter he talks about talking to this woman about god she goes ah oh, yeah i don't want to and to a God, he goes, well, which God yeah. are you talking about? Yeah. He goes, so God was a combination of an angry yes, school principal with like an angry parent. And it's like, that's actually not the God of the Bible. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Which God don't you believe yes, in? Because I know. probably don't believe in that God either. Kind yeah. Of thing. yeah. And, and even cool. like those passages of wrath. Yeah. Yeah. It's there for a, a particular reason. Mm. It's not just because God's angry all the time. Mm. If God was angry all the time, he wouldn't have sent Jesus mm. to be our high priest mm -hmm. to stand in the gap for us. Mm. Uh, yeah. I'm loving it, man. Looking yeah. forward to uh, next Sunday. We're going to mm. unpack kind of the, the core verses being part of the vision for the mm. church this year of steadfast, mm. this anchor of hope, which yeah. will be really beautiful. And I think also just a... 
think valuable time for all of us to reflect on what hang-ups do we bring to the gospel like what personal mm. things because that was obviously the jewish hang-ups of mm. you know we need to sacrifice animals to be forgiven uh i think that we all probably have our own hang-ups that yeah. we bring to the foot of the cross yeah. that we need to let go of yeah. so good challenge i think for yeah. all of us. i think you've said it earlier as western christians we come with a particular set of yeah values and ideals and even the type of clothes you wear. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yes. yes, 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 yes. In some ways, I think all humans revert to being Pharisees. Yeah. At some point. Yeah. We start to, yeah, maybe not putting, you know, extra... What's it good philanthropy? How do you say it? Phylactery? Phylactery? Yeah, 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 yeah. that's wrong. Extra Flactories, big phylacteries yeah. on our heads. Yeah. We don't do that, but we have our own written rules yeah 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 our own tassels and fine tassels yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. 100% so love it that would be good well Mitch mm. thanks for nerding out on Mechizedek oh, right. right. what a joy yes. and uh, we hope fun. that yeah you guys uh, enjoyed it too it's mm. uh, definitely a joy to go deep and uh, yeah to just get to hang out with my boy Mitch <laughs> <laughs> so looking forward to Sunday yeah. uh, <laughs> see you all on Sunday everyone bye thank you Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.